What's up, you beauties, and welcome to HW 3.52, also known as the Season 3 Finale episode. As you may or may not know by now, my name is Jim, and I'm joined by the lovely Kyle Warner. Kyle, say hi. Howdy-do-dah. <laughs> and a sort of a guest for the episode, our very own Johnny. Johnny, what's up, dude? Oh, I'm great. That intro really jacks you up every time, huh? Dude, I was just about to say that. Every time I see Crosby get ran over by Giroux, I'm just like, all right, let's go. There's got to be a game on tonight, right? No, it's, it's just because it's like the sweet spot of like how like how the last time you can remember we were good. Like it's just all those highlights compiled into one. It's beautiful. Yeah, well, let's see what uh, brings us next season. And Jim's frozen. It wouldn't be a season finale without let's Jim. Go. Free, freezing let's go. Like a, he looks like some kind of what a start. squirrel. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He got caught on the ice during an empty netter. He's minus one. Oh, well, that's good. I'm glad, yeah, glad we, we can start off so, on the right foot. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna go ahead and carry this one. <laughs> Welcome, back. Jim, uh... <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Little magic trick to start off, huh? Yeah, a little bit. Sorry about that, guys. So yeah, in a in a episode where we're kind of you know gonna be making things up along the way. I just kind of threw you guys a curveball, so sorry about that. Um Left yeah. us in the trenches taking grenades. <laughs> My apologies. Uh, in case you guys are wondering where our very own Jack is tonight, he's on vacation in the Poconos. So, Jack, if you're listening, what's up, dude? Um, we have a spicy episode. Let me get the banner going up on the bottom of the ticker here. There you go. Season three finale, uh, finale episode. We're going spicy takes. All right. Uh, if, if you're watching live, drop your spicy take in the comment, whatever it is, because there's no spicy take that's too stupid or, or, or too good. You know, they're all spicy. The, the dumber, the better, actually. So, yeah, I wanna, why not? <laughs> right. Yeah, I sure. want to <laughs> kick the episode off with, you know, something that, you know, people might you know, want to argue with a little bit. And I guess I want to get it off my chest. We've talked about it a lot in past episodes and. That's Ron Hextall. And it kind of leads into my next spicy take a little bit. So I don't like Ron Hextall. Just, I love I love that Ron Hextall, just his name alone is a spicy take. You I hate him. The name. <laughs> I don't like him. So I'm going to tell you why it's spicy, though, because I feel like the Flyers are where they are today because of Ron Hextall, right? And, you know, there's some discussions that pop up on Twitter about old Ron and whatnot. And, you know, you see what he's doing in Pittsburgh already. And I know he's only been the GM for a couple of months, but – it's going to be a slow process over there. You know, they re-signed some of their own guys. They went out and got Dan Heinen was their top free agent signing. And for me, it's comparable to a Dale Weiss signing, right? If Ron has expensive, right? Yeah, it's right. Not as expensive. Like, dude, he learned his lesson. He learned his lesson. Don't worry. He <laughs> took it out on us. Yeah. So I, I just don't like the guy because you could fix. I know what he was trying to do, number one. So let me just say that, right? I feel like any GM can go, you know what? I'm going to totally neglect the NHL roster and let the fans suffer. You know, the, all these season ticket holders who are paying money out of their ass to go watch a piss poor product while I build up the farm system. And you know what? Correct me if I'm wrong, but the job he did in drafting for, for the amount of time that he spent, you know, with these draft picks and, you know, making a big deal out of building through the draft, he maybe only hit on how many players we're looking at. Konechny, uh, Farabee, Proveroff, Hart. Who else am I missing guys? Sandheim. Lindblom. 
okay, Lindblom was a good pick in the fourth round. Yeah. And then there was a draft where, you know, the, the whole I don't know, draft. I don't know if that was, I don't know if that was him though. That was like, a, that was fifth round. I think that was, um, oh, what's fifth round, you're right. Prior or whatever. Okay. This isn't Jim. Even still, it happened under his watch, I think, right? And, you know, there, there's some credit you can give Ron Hextall, but for the majority of his tenure here, in my opinion, was a total fa- failure. It was a disaster, you know? And not as Ryan Ellis. And, and that's true. <laughs> it's true, though, right? Because they trade a guy that they didn't even draft in Phil Myers. He took a shot on him. And, and a guy that Hextall, you know, went against the scouts and, and drafted Nolan Patrick. And here's Ryan Ellis. So we're seeing, you know, I guess some of the fruits of what Ron Hextall did. But if he was here, just are you guys confident that he'd the be made? Wow, the fucking <laughs> the <grow>. fruits, <laughs> like a family heirloom. <laughs> I want to know what you guys think about I mean, Ron Hextall. It's funny because when you're going through all that, um, what's it called? Like, like that whole little spiel you just said. It, it reminds in my head the song by Rascal Flatts, "God Bless the Broken Road," was like playing in my <laughs> playing in my head because 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 when Kyle said Ryan Ellis, I'm like, wow, yeah, we got Ryan Ellis, we got Ristolainen, and we got Cam Atkins. It's like we're looking a lot better now after suffering for like you know six or seven years. So I don't I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll throw it to Kyle and see and see what he thinks, and then I'll try to chime in there. I mean, I think, <laughs> look, the drafting is what it is. I get, I respect what Hextall tried to do. He just failed at it. It's that simple. It's it's as simple as it gets. You look at guys or you look at teams like LA, they're drafting. They drafted a Stanley Cup team. And the the players that couldn't really make it, uh, the, the Shens who went on later to win a cup, they moved in trades to better their team. Hextall did the drafting the same way that he thought he was doing it in, or they did it in LA. It didn't work out exactly. And now those picks and pieces are being moved for legit NHL, like bettering your roster players. So, I mean, it is what it is. He failed at the drafting part. I mean, he also was never blessed with an Anze Kopitar or a quick or anything like that. So, I mean, I don't want to take that away from him. But when you fail so hard at the drafting part, like you have to draft two, maybe three legit stud top, top two line players. And you can't wait four or five years for them to develop into that. They have to just be that. Especially not in a market like Philadelphia. No, right? we don't have patience. You, you can't do what he, <laughs> I think that's my biggest issue, dude, is accurate. You know, if he took over a team like, let's say, the Coyotes or even a team like like Buffalo now, where they're actually a hockey city, but they've sucked for so long. I think they'll wait forever now, you know, but the, the point is his strategy might work in a non-hockey market where, where, you know, fans just go to the games to have a good like a, a night out. You know what I'm saying? In Philadelphia, it's a hockey market. We go to the games to watch the team win, to watch the teams compete. We actually have, you know, season ticket holders. Under Ron Hextall, people stopped going to games. Fans lost interest. You know, like Flyers fans, like like people like us, people like me, I'll speak for myself. There was never a time in my Flyers fandom career where I felt apathetic towards the Flyers. Like, I could have given a shit. I, could, I didn't give two shits if the Flyers were playing some nights because I knew the hockey was going to suck and they were most likely going to lose. 
right? And I, I blame Hexball for that. Shit out of you. That's, right. <laughs> that's the thing I can't stand. Like, like Jim, like you just said, out of all of the years I've been watching Flyers hockey, and there's a lot of years, I have literally. I can count the number of seasons where I just stopped watching. Last season being one of them. I just stopped watching. I'm yeah. Like, there's nothing to watch here. Nobody cares. Nobody's playing hard. There's no physical play. There's nothing to entertain. There's no entertainment value in watching them get their doors blown off by teams like Buffalo and the Rangers. Like, I don't have any interest in watching that. No. And, like, last year was a good example because last year – felt exactly like what it felt like under the Hextall regime or era, right? And the, the, that was like the lowest point in, you know, f- at least for me, Flyers history for me, where the, they were just so unwatchable. Even even though they made the playoffs two out of the four years, Hextall was here, and this is another hot take. I think if you would have had Chuck Fletcher as GM for Dave Hextall, we might not hate Dave Hextall the way we do. I think I don't he. No man, he was still playing Yuri. I can't agree with you, Aaron. I don't. That, over. When you when when you when you're talking spicy, that's that's just ridiculous. <laughs> but I mean, but, I, I, like when you look at Haxel, you got to look at the, the line combinations, who he scratched, who he didn't, who he played, who he didn't. You know, it's just that's 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 aside from the GM. And I hear you, but like people people <laughs> are saying, again, oh, but yeah. was it? Was it though? Because Hextall had his hand in every cookie jar in that whole organization. So was it Hextall's call for these lineup moves for these these opening night rosters? Was it? I mean, he really didn't have much ice to uh, be standing on, considering it's his first head coaching gig. You got a guy like Hextall who oversees everything. Like, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Hextall hung. A picture with some guy's face on it, and cut out, it, like could remove the eyeballs and just like look through it to see what the hell's going on in the locker room while he's not in there. Like that's the type of shit he was doing. So it it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, all that being said, I didn't like Dave Hextall at all. I didn't like the combination of him and Ron Hextall. Like it was just bad from top to bottom. It was bad. That's no, kind of my point. Yeah, no, it's kind of crazy that when you think about Ron Hextall as the player and how competitive he was versus how he was when he was the GM here, it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. The, the amount of, you know, punch too many times in the head. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, Maybe, maybe, but it's, it's, it's funny. I mean, there, there are parts of where I agree with you guys and parts where I, I disagree. Like, I don't disagree with the fact that he tried to build through the draft. Like Kyle was saying, I'm disappointed in how, if you're, you know, your number one, you know, like, objective is to build through the draft you better nail the draft and he didn't and, and that's where and that's i think where you can say he's a failure i i think with the cap space he had it was also tough but there there were better options out there than throwing three four-year contracts at aging veterans that had one good year like like the dale weiss contract le cavalier uh, le cavalier was homegrown but mm-hmm. The same time, it's like when you sign those players especially when that team could still have been competitive or when you wait the biggest thing I think is you, when you wait to trade players and they no longer have value, like you wait and hold on to Voracek for two, three years too long to where you could have maximized his return, you know, like that. It's the lack of foresight at the same time as the lack of drafting. I think for me, when it comes to Hextall. Yeah. Agreed. Like I, like I, mean, I, like I said earlier, he failed 
at what he was trying to do. And that's not to say I don't respect what he was trying to do. I respect the hell out of what he was trying to do. L.A. did it. Detroit did it. Chicago did it. But Hextall failed at it. And that's why we're just not fans of the guy. I'm not, not a fan of Ron Hextall, the guy and the player. I'm definitely not a fan of him as Ron Hextall, the GM. I'm a fan of him being the GM of the Penguins. Hmm. I'm okay oh, with absolutely. that. Yeah, that's fine. You know what's funny about that is the Penguins brought in um, – God damn it. Why am, I, why am I forgetting his name now? He's one of the Brian favorite Burke. guys in the league. Brian Burke. Thank you. They brought him in to kind of assist Hextall. So Hextall can't pull any of that, that BS. You know, where he's going to totally neglect the roster. I love, I love Berkey, man. He's one of my favorite guys in the league. Um, unfortunately, you know, he's with the Penguins now. That kind of freaks me out a little bit. But then I remember Hextall's there, and it's like, man, they're just going to, you know, waste for the next four, five, six years. Um, Let's hope. Yeah. Let so, us pray. <laughs> lettuce. <laughs> lettuce. But uh, there was something I wanted to comment on with the Hextall thing because he was he was benching younger players right and For we're no talking reason. about like Lindblom, Sanheim. he benched ghost a couple times and hey, hey look Feldy, baby. I, don't blame, I, was this guy. I don't think anybody blames him for benching ghosts <laughs> right but at the I time mean, like you know these are young kids i don't i will say that i don't hate ghost as much as you guys as much as you guys and jack do i think i i i was a big ghost guy I, I mean we can get to this after but I, I, no, instead, you now. guys no, I'm saying like I don't think Ghost is as bad as you guys make him out to be. He's okay. pretty that's, that's, fucking that's bad. My, why? Because that's my big his, thing. Well, let's let's bring up his analytics real fast. I'm not the <laughs> analytics guy. I'm not the analytics guy. You know that. Don't throw that. Don't don't put that evil on me. Don't do that. We don't have we don't have to do this. We don't we don't have to go there. That's all right. It's like, I'm just let's face I'm just it. saying that you know I I, I think there was a lot to be desired towards the last couple of years of him. But when he was on, when he was on, he was on. It's just a matter of confidence going in and out of the lineup, not giving that those consistent minutes that other guys that shouldn't have been getting were getting. I mean, when you're going in and out of the lineup, and Brandon Manning is getting 82 games a season. That is ridiculous. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, you can't blame a player for like, you know, like feeling doubt about yourself when you look at a guy like 23 at the blue line and, and and you're saying, you know, well, I can be better than him, but the coach isn't seeing that. The GM isn't sticking up for me. You know, what, what do you do that? But towards the end of the season, uh, towards the last couple of years, yeah, his defense was kind of a little bit more noticeable. When the, de- when the, when the, when the, when the, never all that good. It wasn't ever all that good. It became, it became, it became more noticeable when the talent around him on the defense, on the blue line got better. When the talent around him on the blue line got better and you could see what a good defense, like Provorov, and you know things of that nature, and guys like that caliber were put around him. It kind of exposed him a little bit more, is what I'm saying. I'm so wondering the whole, when the whole defense was horrible. Ghost was an okay defenseman, but when yeah, he blended in. Is okay, he blended in. Ghost yeah. is not a good defenseman. <laughs> he blended in. He was like a chameleon. But, it was great, and he was scoring he seventy. My- he was scoring seventy points, sixty points a year, twice. No, that was beautiful. Oh, this is the spicy. That was here. great. That was great. Let's let's get this straight. Ghost plays defense. Um, he sucks at fucking defense. He's probably <laughs> one of the worst defensemen I've ever watched play defense. 
and he's too woefully inconsistent offensively to justify him being in my lineup every night. That simple. I think it's that But like, I'm, see, you're looking at him isolated. I was looking at it comparatively. What do you mean? I'm looking at his entire career. Okay, yeah, 65 I'm looking points. At a, I'm looking at – when you say in and out of the lineup, I'm looking at six defensemen on this sheet that's saying, okay, he can fit into the top six. And there are other guys that were there that shouldn't have been playing those games when Ghost should have been inserted. That's what I I'm saying. I'm looking at it more as, comparatively. Isolated Ghost. Go for it. If I'm, a, if I'm a coach, I trust Brandon Manning playing defense better than I trust Ghost playing defense. I hate you. Interesting. That was terrible. That was terrible. Kyle, I think I, you're Dave Haxtell. I'm not relying on Brandon Manning. Brandon Manning over. Yeah, but not... what does Brandon Manning give you on either side of the puck? Nothing. He well, gives he you what? Give Maybe... anybody anything anymore? But I'm. <laughs> he gives a lot of really cool Rachel slurs. But <laughs> here's what I want to say. Trouble for that. <laughs> here's what I want to say real quick. So Brandon Manning. You know what you're gonna get out of him. Yeah, he's he's not good. You're gonna get nothing out of him. What do you but mean it, you know you're but he's consistently you're get nothing out of Andrew McDonald, yet he played entire seasons. That's what I'm both, saying. They're both <laughs> consistent though, is the thing. Consistently bad. Yes. Yes. But you knew <laughs> so you, you knew what you were consi- So you rather have consistently bad as opposed to ghosts who can give you a high reward offensively and lackluster defense. So that's what I'm you're that's what you that's what you're telling That's what you're like that's every, what you're telling me. This is a something you're telling me right now. So I'm, I'm trying to get into the mind of Hackstall here, and I'm trying to figure out the benefit of... I ask you not to do that. <laughs> Please Benching. Do that. So I feel like he's tr- when you bench a guy who's inconsistent, you're trying... I'm, I'm assuming, because I have no other explanation for benching a guy who's got high boom potential, is you're trying to show him that he if he's going to be in the lineup... Remember, Ghost was younger at the time. He needs to be consistent. He can't bring it one night and not bring it another night, you know. And you're going to play veterans over a guy like that if you're if you're Hackstall, I think. And unfortunately, the veterans that he was stuck with because of Ron Hackstall were, I'm sorry, Holmgren actually too, Andy McDonald and Brandon Manning, right? He's almost like, all right, I'm going to be here for a while. This is my first head coach gig. They, they hired me for the long haul. I'm supposed to bring these kids along. This is how I do it. I'm going to play my vets and I'm going to bench my inconsistent kids. You know, they, they need to learn how to be consistent. I disagree with, you know, benching a player because of that, unless it's like, Hey, go up in the box, see what we're seeing, you know, relax, come back refreshed. Unfortunately, you know, it didn't turn out that way. And Plus, it's, it's easy to say Hackstall's a, a bad coach and this and that, but he it was never given talent on the roster. All this being said, I don't believe Ghost was the greatest person to interact with in that locker room as well. Mm. And when you're going up against a hard-headed person like Ron Hextall, mm. that's not going to benefit your playing time at all. Yeah, it's true. That's fair. If that's true. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't hear that. But he's. Um, I think we've had one or at least one person. I know Martita said that Gossip Bear is known for being a little bit of a dick. Um, so, I mean, it, you know, I mean, if you said, if you saw the, the picture that just got released from his wedding, I mean, it looks like a nice see. guy. No, he's got a hammer. He's got a, hammer. He's got a wrench. He's got a hammer. <laughs> oh, you didn't, you didn't see those pictures. Um, no, I missed that one. It's, the the ghost wrench. It's the pleats. It's the pleats. It's shocking. <laughs> it's shocking. 
Was it like was you it look? You look no, it's, no, I don't think so. Like it's like it's like oh my god! Like it's what? like you, you look. It. You, you, you see the picture? So hard, you see, Johnny. You see? You describe see the picture. <laughs> you, um, you see the picture, and you're like, how can a guy struggle with confidence? Like how? You're looking at like it's just like you like this is the guy with confidence issues the past six years. Are you fucking kidding me? Like that's well endowed is what you're saying. I don't know what he's got to worry about. Like he was born with a gift. If anyone's peeking over his shoulder, he can hit him. If anyone's peeking over his shoulder, he can hit him over the head with it. Like it's Christ. It's ridiculous. Ghost is packing, eh? I'll have to see this picture. Unbelievable. I have to see with my own eyes. It was all over. I'm surprised you didn't see this monster with my own two eyes stupid all right so ghost is hung didn't expect to know that tonight but hey this is what happens when you have uh an episode like we do tonight spicy takes and uh, apparently mean, ghost dick pics yeah absolutely oh no it's not a dick pic it was a picture from his wedding like you it's just you know him in the suit it was a dick pic man his wrench is out <laughs> in the picture do you think he knew like yeah take it from this side like was he showing it off yeah, I know he coordinated every picture to make them all big. Yeah, that's what I would get it from this angle, you know. That's a talent, actually. If you if you're able to do that, you're able to work <laughs> the angles. Dude, have you ever been on Instagram? The girls do it all the time. <laughs> I don't have Instagram, so I don't know. Smart, very very smart, yep. very smart man. Yep. All right, let's move on here a little bit. Next, uh, next, uh, please. Hot take, I guess. Um. Oh, you guys disagreed with me about the Hackstall thing. I, I think he's going to succeed. Do you guys think he's going to do well out in Seattle? Because I with think he is. Team? <laughs> Dude, I was looking over that roster. Do you see that roster? It's surprisingly, it's sneaky good. No, it it's is. not. Yeah, no, from the net not. out. They built it the right way. Dude, they have an AHL goalie, bro. No, dude, they have two AHL starting goalie. goalies. Grubauer could have won a, like, a vest. If anything, their goaltending is good. Dude, the best got, part about that team. Grubauer and Dreger one two. Who the, it's the, it's a better one two punch than the Flyers. Lar- they have yeah. Larson, Alexiak, Giordano. Who else on defense? Flurry. Dunn, Vince Dunn. Uh, who the hell else did they end up with? Their defense is actually looking pretty solid, but they, they're not going to score very many goals. <laughs> Clearly, you guys didn't listen to the In Case You Missed It episode last night. Thanks a lot, Dix. Nope. Sorry. Speaking of ghosts. My bad. <laughs> um, hang on, I'm bringing up the roster now. It's sneaky good. Here you go. Today, I can't. Congratulations, by the way. All right, let's go. Ready? Congrats. So, some of the non-familiar names: uh, the great Will Borgen. I think he was traded to the Sabers. He was from, from Buffalo. Bruins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Connor Carrick, you guys remember, walked around Phil Myers uh, late in the season this year. Whoa. Uh, you, you remember him? You remember that? <laughs> That was pretty much the end of Phil Myers for me as soon as that happened. I'm like, all right, he's gone. Like, there's no way he can play on this team. Uh, Dennis Chalowski, a nice young player. Pro- those oh, three guys will probably start sniper. out. They'll probably start out in the AHL, those oh, couple guys there. Um, awesome. But here you go, Raddy. Vince Dunn, you know, the coveted defenseman there, offensive defenseman. Uh, he Kale struggled Fleury. the past couple of years, but, you know. Yeah. He's yeah. their own. He's yeah, their sure. own. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, let's see. How better, Kale Fleury, how Hayden guy. Fleury, the brothers, you know. They're so good. Oh. But actually, 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 they're young. They're young. They're young. Hayden Fleury, yeah. I think, has got some Josh Manson potential, and I'm not just saying that because they're both on Anaheim. I'm completely saying that because they're both on Anaheim. That was the first guy. Kyle loves Manson, so maybe maybe he Josh secretly Manson. likes Fleury here. 
I think Hayden Fleury's a little bit more offensive. I think Manson's just more stay-at-home, more reliable, consistent. So you, you like Kale or are you like Hayden? I think Hayden's going to be the better of the two brothers. But right. that's with very limited knowledge. And so let's keep going here. So the the that's uh, one, two, three, three serviceable at the very least, the fansman right there, okay? We still have five more guys to get to here. You didn't Mark, even say – yeah. It, Mark Giordano. Didn't he say he's retiring? Is he? Wasn't there that some was... rumors about him saying he was retiring? Could you imagine? They were no. using him as the face of the franchise and he just retires. Yeah. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> they, gave him, they gave him the jersey. He got one look at that uh, that reception they had at like uh, when they when they put on the jersey and announced the expansion team. He was like, nope, not here. Yeah, <laughs> this, this, ain't, this isn't going to happen. Yep. So Adam Larson on the cheap deal. Solid defenseman. We were hoping the Flyers could take a look at him. Uh, Jeremy Lauzon from Boston, another solid D. Uh, solid? What do you mean solid? Like he, Lauzon, he's like a – he's in and out of the lineup last year, was he not? Didn't they yeah, bench him for, for like Tenorti some nights? Not he for, played not for 41 Seattle. games <laughs> last year. He played how many? 41, game, 41 games last season. He's got 76 in his NHL career. Three goals, eight assists, eleven points, a plus twelve. He's he's serviceable. I love I Solid. love how I'm talking. I love how I'm talking shit on all these kids, and they're like 23, 24. They're like they're <laughs> younger. They're younger than me, and they're in the NHL, and they're just living their dreams. And I'm just here, just bitter. But here you go. Like here come the big boys, right? So Jamie Alexiak, six foot seven, two fifty five, and cl- I know you guys aren't going to like this guy not. either. <laughs> you you guys. I mean, he's sh- big. He's big. He, he hasn't a- like. He- yeah, I'll go for it. <laughs> no, go ahead. Finish your <laughs> no, talk, please. There. No, I'm just saying, like, like, like Jamie Alexiak would have been great on our bottom pair. Like, he's, he's, if, if we didn't bring back Moran, it would have been Alexiak, I think we would have had a run at. But at the same time, like, he's, he's been with a bunch of teams in his career, I'm pretty sure, right? Maybe a handful. Well, yeah, he's kind of been tossed Dallas, around a little bit. Right? Dallas, there's a, I think there's, I think there was Pittsburgh, another one before. Dallas. Maybe just Pittsburgh or Dallas. Maybe I'm just making it up. But, you know, he's Here never. He Alexiak's 24 years old. And <laughs> Yeah, Pittsburgh. Well, and you know, Pittsburgh keep going before I say more stupid shit. He started out with Dallas for six, seven years, went to Pittsburgh for two, and went back to Dallas for three. So you're right. Uh, oh, okay. Seems so like he did. played for a lot more teams, though, doesn't it? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the last guy on the list here. I think this is a really underrated guy here. I mean, I'm going to name him. I would like, I would like the Flyers to take a run at him. Carson Soucy, six foot five, two hundred eleven pounds, big dude, Man. solid top six defenseman. Is that they're your threshold? Be, is that your threshold? Like just six to five on. and six five and meaty. That's just that's your type. That's every type of defense. That's just who you want. But look what Montreal did last last season, right? Yeah, but like, those guys have Montreal has Shea Weber. Sherrod and Edmondson. Those guys were serviceable. Edmondson was a yes. Stanley Cup champion. But at yeah. the same time, Sherrod's been a fucking Weber. Guy. <laughs> yeah, Weber, Jeff Sherrod, Jeff Petrie. Edmondson, Petrie. All big boys. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying here, it's going to be incredibly tough to score on this team. They're going to have a hell of a time scoring goals. It's not. But... But they're gonna be uh, wow. they're gonna beat some teams. I think they're right, gonna compete. Like, when you look at I the bet. Montreal guys, they can I'm all skate. Bet. <laughs> I'm willing to bet by the end of the season, their bottom five or top five in goals against. Top five in goals against. Yes, they have. Oh, okay. Meaning, meaning, if you flip the stat, I got they're you. Not, what do you want to bet? 
I don't care. Whatever. I still owe you a nug. <laughs> from like suck. three seasons ago. <laughs> Johnny, what should we bet here? Because I'm going to win this bet. Uh, They're not going to finish top five goals against. Oh, man. I have no idea. All right. Well, somebody... Kyle, likes, Kyle likes milkshakes. Maybe just bet a milkshake. From oh, that's cool. God, yeah, yeah. From a goddamn Dairy Queen or something. Whatever you got your milkshake from. I'll take a milkshake. If you guys no, are listening you got, live, comment. You, here's, you, got, you got your milkshake from the ice cream truck. That's what you got. That's ridiculous. That's like a house was, rule that you know. That's ridiculous. You get a milkshake from an ice cream truck? No, you go to Dairy Queen. Lazy. <laughs> he got comes a blizzard. Get a blizzard. Get a blizzard. <laughs> he comes to my house. He comes to my ice house. Cream truck. What am I supposed to do? Yeah, that's I'm the six year old guy that's scooping ice cream out of retirement. And it's, I guess there's my something poetic. There's, the there's something poetic about that. There's something poetic. There's something poetic about that. What do you have against that? old guys that are just scooping my ice cream? <laughs> I wasn't saying anything about it. I wasn't saying anything negative about it. I was just painting a narrative for people who are struggling to grasp that you, <laughs> you walking out with a big old smile on your face, chipper as can be, high stepping towards an ice cream truck at about seven, seven o'clock after a long day of work <laughs> with your with fistful of, of $1 bills slamming on the table says, give me a goddamn milkshake right now. <laughs> when you could have easily drove by the dairy queen, probably like 10 minutes from your house. There's a That's so much better. So much better. So, so much better than the, than the, than the slop that's getting delivered to you on your door. It, it didn't taste like slop. It tasted like a milkshake. Just Which is absurd. exactly what I wanted. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm glad it was cold milk. Johnny, you never had your ice cream scooped by an old man? Seriously, what's wrong with you? I don't you? know. I don't know what we're trying to talk about now. <laughs> <You have enough? laughs> All right, let's uh, let's, let's move just on. let's just yeah no let's continue with that roster because you were naming so many all stars. Yeah, we're gonna uh, go. Let's, let's let's just read down some of the uh, offense here. And remember, uh, this is an analytically. I built can't roster. wait. I can't wait for this. Axel. They got Ron Francis out there. Uh, real quick, the viewers, if you know you're still watching after the ice cream talk, if you can think of any bets for me and Kyle to do, because I'm absolutely winning this, drop it in the comment. We'll go with the best one. Uh, let me read down this roster real quick. Mason Appleton, Nathan mm. Bastian, Colin yep. Blackwell. Tough to play against Colin Blackwell. Jonas Donskoy, very underrated, very solid deaf player, two, second, third line guy. Jordan Eberle, not crazy about, but same ilk. Morgan Geeky, Yanni Gord. He's going to have a chance to flourish in Seattle. We'll see what he can do. Uh, Callie Yarncroak, another guy, second, third-line guy, more so third. Marcus Johansson, uh, Cole Lind, Jared McCann, who I think is very underappreciated. I think I he's like, underrated. I like, McCann. I like McCann. You like I him? Do. I do. Uh, I think Schwartz. he has underachieved his entire career. Underachieved? Okay. Was he a first-round pick? Uh, let, me, let me show you real quick. I mean, let me Let me find out here. Um, first Under round pick, twenty fourth overall in twenty fourteen. Oh. Yeah, for Vancouver. I thought I thought uh, he was like a second or third guy, like because he was good on the second and th on the third line of Pittsburgh. He was really good. Now, yeah, he has underachieved. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at points here for a first round pick. I mean, yeah, you can kind of he's kind of like a Scott Long type, right? Yeah, you could say that. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see how he does in Seattle. He's going to get a lot more top line minutes. Uh, I imagine he'll be playing with a guy like Jaden Schwartz. Schwartz on his left side, who I actually like. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he does in Seattle. He's a little Seattle. older, though, right? Yeah, a little bit older, sort of injury-prone. Uh, Brandon Tanev's up there. Love um, him. So Love that. There's kind of a theme here with some of these. They have tough to play against players. Like, There's not a player on this roster that's going to score 25, 30 goals, 
but there's going to be a lot of guys that have 15, 20, you know what I mean? And they're going to, they're going to just, nobody's going to want to play Seattle back on a back to back is, is what I'm saying. They're tough. <laughs> and I'll just finish the scoring up this is kind of a big part of the game, Jim. Right, but if you don't give a lot up, you don't have to score a lot. You know, <laughs> they're gonna give a ton of goals up. <laughs> All right, what I, don't, I don't. I don't. I disagree with that. Phillip I don't think Gru- they're gonna go. Philip Grubauer is gonna go out for friggin' four months on injury, and they're gonna give up three to four goals a game. All right, I, I'd be stay. willing to. I'd be willing to bet at the end of the season, I'd say seventy-five percent of their losses. Like out of how many that is, seventy five percent of them was going to come by one or two goals. It's, they're going to be like two one, three one, two nothing, one nothing, because they're just not going to be able to score. They're not going to give up a lot. They're just not going to score. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think they're going to score a lot of goals here. Um, I think, and this is a hot take, maybe a spicy one. I think they're going to have a shot at their division. I really do. That is. That's, that's like saying like that's, that's like saying the Eagles have a shot at the NFC East. Of course they do. It's a dog shit division. Yeah, let me read. Uh, let me just remind you guys who is actually in the Pacific Division this year. Uh, Anaheim Ducks, maybe you know, arguably one of the Rico. two worst teams in the league. Calgary Flames, who didn't make really any sexy moves in the offseason, but they beefed up their roster a little bit. Edmonton Oilers always choke. Um, Los Angeles Kings, playoffs. right? San Jose Sharks, one of the worst teams in the league again. We'll see how they do. They may be without Evander Kane. Vancouver Canucks underachieved last year. Can they bounce back? (laughs) He better not be on the roster after. (laughs) And the Vegas Golden Knights, who, you know, they're arguably their biggest offseason acquisition was Nolan Patrick. So, you know, they're still a good team, but did they get better this offseason? No. And they gave away their Vesna winning goalie for free. How does that affect morale? You know, the locker room's not going to be the same. Um to me, that was a big loss for them. Not just, you know, for the player, but a locker room presence. How does it affect them going forward? You bring in a kid like Nolan Patrick. I don't know. Let's see. But my point is, the division is not great. It's up for grabs. Anybody I just named, aside from the Ducks and the Sharks, I think can win that division. Make playoffs versus winning. Too bad. Making playoffs, they you might win the division. You're in, in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, yeah, but like the, the top three in each division make playoffs, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they can finish third, is what I'm saying. Like they can fight for that third. So they're just not gonna. Finish oh, that's top. right. They're they're going right back to that eight. What yeah. is it? Eight per mm-hmm. division. Two wild yeah. cards or whatever. Yeah, like they're they're not. I don't I don't think they're gonna win at all. Like I I I think they're gonna finish maybe fourth or fifth, just because how bad Anaheim and San Jose is. But that's their only saving grace, really, from not finishing last. I think. You guys, uh, you might hate this take, but while we're at it, I think it, I'm going episode, to. Yeah, no, keep going. <laughs> Please. I would, I might argue that Seattle is more built for the playoffs than the Flyers are. I don't know. Can I leave about that anymore? <laughs> Can I? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Maybe they're bottom six. More built for the playoff. Maybe for like just the back-to-back toughness type deal, but skill-wise, like when it actually comes to scoring goals and preventing goals, you know, hockey, I don't think that <laughs> that's great that they can have a lot of endurance and a lot of wear and tear on them, but it doesn't what? mean. Yeah, I mean, in good. playoffs, you're not going to see too many 5-4-6-5 games. It's, it's, all de- it's all defense and giving up as little space <laughs> as possible and – 
I think Seattle might be built for playoff hockey if they can get there. Are the Flyers built for playoff hockey? I don't know. They were the worst defensive team in the NHL last year. Can they fix it in one offseason? I know they brought in a bunch of different guys. Are they built for playoff hockey? I think they're going to be one of the best teams in the regular season. But can they switch their game come playoffs? I don't know. I think that remains to be seen. Do they have the players for playoff hockey? What do you guys think? Yeah. Uh, I'm done making making predictions because last year we all swore the Flyers were going to be freaking great. We're like, oh, my God, they did so great. that What was it, two years ago? Oh, my God, they were like pretty much almost division champs. I'm like, this is amazing. This year is going to be great. The roster looks great. A little weak on defense, but they'll figure it out. And then it was just like from start to finish. Just disaster. (laughs) But it's true, though. Like they were winning games and they looked bad. Usually that's the sign of a good team. And they just never they went the other way. Like they started losing games and they looked really, really bad losing. You know, it was kind of, you know, we were all holding out hope. Uh, I think I lost hope around February, which was what, like a month and a month after the season started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, right? lost, I lost hope pretty fast. And yeah. then when they, the the part that killed me last year is 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 when they they sucked, and then everybody on the team literally just looked like they were like, well, whatever. Yeah. Who cares? That's I, I, I think that's why you've seen so many changes with uh, these these guys coming in like cam atkinson and ryan ellis and yandel these guys don't like losing they don't like it and i think you're gonna see that they don't like it and i know jim you didn't like when carter hart smashed his stick last year Hated showed it. some Loved showed, it. showed some of that emotion but i i actually appreciated that because i Loved didn't it. see any emotion the whole damn game from the whole team so the fact that at least one player cared enough to, to blow off some steam at the end of the game, I'm like, okay, he at least cares. The guy who at least cares. I think this year, if if they don't get off to a good start, you're going to see a lot of players getting really frustrated and pissed off. Like, look at Ristolainen, for example. He came from a shit place in Buffalo. He's coming to the Flyers. He expects this team to be good. Would you agree? I agree. I hope so. He, yeah. ex- he expects this team to be competitive. If it's not, he's going to show emotion, and that's the kind of emotion I want to see. I want to see emotion. Right. And there's, there's a, no, I mean, there, and between like the, just touching on the slamming of the stick or breaking the stick, you know, there's a difference between like being a prima donna about it and showing emotion, trying to get people fired up about it. And I think that's it. There's a very fine line. And it's very subjective to, to kind of tell when you're like pissing and hollering at the at the ref or something like that, or at your own teammates like Briskalov used to, or stuff like that. Like when Briskalov did it, and when he confronted his teammates about it, like while whilst on the ice, like that's that's where I have an issue with it. When it's just him being frustrated and showing emotion, like that's I mean, I I see a difference. As so, you know, I I see a difference. The biggest difference between last year's roster and this roster is that locker room is not going to accept losing. They're not going to accept it. Last year, they rolled over. They were like, well, we suck. Guess we're just going to suck for the rest of the year. This roster, I do not expect to just roll over and die. 
I don't expect it. Right. And I, I touched on this with, with uh, the episode with Jason Martinez. And I said that I look at the roster now and the guys you bring in like Yandel or Atkinson or just, just good locker room guys. I don't like, and morale is and off ice chemistry is so important in terms of when you're in the midst of a losing streak. And when you guys have like, when you have someone like maybe like who's rumored, like, like Voracek was rumored to just, you know, maybe be down, down after a loss, not picking up morale maybe focused on himself a little bit too much, you know, that it Boy, compounds. I need to log on Twitter it, so I can block people. Like, <laughs> I mean, it, it just, it, it compounds and it starts to be infectious. Whereas I think this new group of guys is going to be infectious, but in a more positive way, if they lose two in a row, I have a hard time believing that Cam Atkinson, like you said, Cam Atkinson, Keith Yandel being okay with it and not trying to increase energy off the ice and morale and stuff like that, and then get ready for game three to prevent that third loss. That's kind of how I, first, how I, you know, make of that chemistry to where they're more built to not compound mistakes and let it affect, you know, the next shift or the next, you know, next period or whatever. I don't think it's any coincidence that you saw players like Patrick Voracek and uh, Gossespierre pack their bags over the summer. Uh, and then they brought in, like you guys mentioned, guys who just are happy to play the game. Keith Yandel, Rasmus Ristolainen, and Cam Atkinson, who's just a ball of sunshine, apparently. The guy never stops smiling. Uh, no, going to absolutely great. be a fan favorite. Um, they just brought in guys who who like life. You know, these are positive guys. Like, if, if you can – play for the Columbus Blue Jackets and live in the city of Columbus for however many years Cam Atkinson was there and you, you, you're, you know, this infectious ball of positivity, that's just you. Like, it's not fake. You know what I mean? Because uh, guys will do anything to get the hell out of that city, as we've seen over the last couple of years. And I, I think they got a gem. Like, the trade for check for Atkinson is so good on so many levels like not even just on the ice. Like you're, you changed the locker room in that one trade. It couldn't have been any better, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, to your guys' points, you know, just having these guys on the team, yeah, uh, sure, it could turn this team into a playoff team, quote unquote. Because I, I never really believed in that stuff until a year or two, so that's why I quoted that. But I think there is substance to it, and the old Flyers roster, as it was, was absolutely not a, a playoff team. We'll see if the changes in the locker room and, and to the roster uh, translate to wins in the playoffs, right? Yeah. Uh, there was one more thing I wanted to touch on. So the Carter Hart breaking of the stick thing. Since, I mean, it's a spicy take episode, I'm going to tell you guys why I didn't like it. Uh, to me, it showed right away that Carter Hart was in trouble for this year, you know? And, and I, I understand where you guys are coming from, number one, so don't get me wrong, because I, I love emotion. I love passion. Uh, I love to see that guys care, right? But when you have your, how old is he, 21, 22, let's say, 22-year-old supposedly phenom goalie smashing a stick, to me it somewhat shows up the players. And, yeah, yeah, they maybe they need to play better. But how about waiting till you get to the locker room and talking to the guys that need to play better, right? If you want to be a leader on a team, that's what you do. Smashing your stick, in my you opinion. Do. do you honestly think, though, a 22-year-old Carter Hart could walk up to a Jake Voracek and be like, hey, Jake, you need that, to do this? But 
I, that's why he's not yeah. here anymore. I that's think, exactly well, I why. Agree. I, I mean, agree, I, but that's what I'm saying. Maybe that conversation did take place, and Jake fucking was like, fuck you, kid. Like, you, we don't know. We're not there. All I'm saying is if I'm 22-year-old Carter Hart, the last thing I'm doing is walking into a room of vets like that and opening my mouth. So you no. smash your stick instead. Well, Jim, I'm thinking of the opposite of you. Like, I'm thinking that Carter, when if you do that in your Carter Hart, he's such a quiet and reserved kid yeah. to where it's almost like an eye, when you're his teammate, it's eye-opening that he's doing that. It's sending yeah. a message, you know, that he's, if, if this 22-year-old is thinking this is unacceptable, you know, where do I stand type deal. It's not as he's showing anyone up. It's that he's frustrated and that he's pissed off and that he hates to lose. Yeah. And that message needs to be carried over to each and every one of his teammates that didn't care that, you know, the quote on, you know, the Nolan Patrick's or uh, whatever, you know, whoever, what that was, Voracek's that yeah, you know, I don't disagree. Continued, yeah. to, continued to corrode the locker room and stuff like that. Like that's, that's why, I mean, I loved it. It's because like, all right, this 22 year old kid is caring more than guys who've been in the league for 10 years. That's, that's and all it was to me. Everything you guys just said, I agree with. And I love, I, I don't disagree with it from, you know, trying to look at it from a different perspective. If I'm a guy on that team, I'm like, who the hell does this kid think he is? You know, I've been in this league for five, six, whatever amount of years, smashing a stick because he gave up a couple goals. How about this? Maybe save him. You know, don't let him in. I, I don't know. Just look at uh, the defense in front of him. <laughs> I know. It's the worst defensive think- coverage other than Buffalo. And then you have that Buffalo, you know, screenshot clip of like six, of like four people collapsing in on him yeah. with wide open perimeter. Kyle like loves that defensive style of collapse. Oh his my favorite. God. It's, I can't stand what, it. The Brad, the Brad Marsh style. Collapsing so, quicker than the United this- States, aren't they? All this being said, <laughs> all, oh man, you ain't. So, all this being said, I think that what you have to look at, like you said, uh, Johnny, is what you have to look at is how come that didn't carry over to the rest of the team, especially in the post game interview when they asked Drew. What the hell do you think of that? And Jeru goes, you know, I wanted to smash my fucking stick too. He's trying to make his his little uh, his young goaltender feel better. You know, hey, you smash your stick, not the smartest thing to do, but I'll say this in the media to make you feel better. Some of the so greatest. When, so when did you start caring about sport? who smashes their stick? <laughs> I, I hated it. So my, my initial take was like, you, "Are you kidding me? Like that's embarrassing." All of, you, all a, you all of a sudden hate the hate energy now. Well, there's a difference. Hate, 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 hate the fighting and energy and and you know the emotion that goes. Well, into there's, a game. there's did, you, did you hate it? Did that. you all right? Did you hate when when Ray Emery charged the ice down seven to two against the Capitals and beat the shit off at a Holpe? No, but there's purpose that was, that behind was that. That, that was out of emotion. Yeah, I, I like there. I like Carter Hart's not gonna go go down the ice and and, and start fighting Tuka Ras because they they just lost six five on a last second goal by Marsha. I'm like, that's not gonna happen. Look, there's it, different ways of translating emotion. It doesn't I have to be it. in one flavor. I get it. So, but but Emery to me, he didn't go down <laughs> the ice. He didn't snap and was like, you know what? I'm gonna go kick the shit out of Braden Holpe. He was yes, like, he you know what? My exactly team's down happened. seven to two. It's got to stop now. I'm going to go down. I'm going to. I'm going to prove a point. There was purpose behind it. There was a message behind what he did. All this Smashing being your said, stick. No way. There's no way Ray Emery snapped. He knew Justin exactly what he was doing. Oh yeah. Uh, pre- he knew exactly. I loved. It. He didn't love snap. Absolutely. And in like, both enough's cases, enough. and, in, and in both cases on the record, I loved it. Loved it. 
wasn't wasn't trying to throw shade that, but I'm just saying comparatively, there's different ways of showing emotion. Showing emotion's fine, but there's like smart emotion, and there's like, hey, dude, like you don't smash your stick after giving up a goal. Emotion, in, in my dude, opinion. See, and you're you're looking you're looking at the wrong type of emotions as you know, like Ray Emery right, Carter Hart wrong. I'm looking at Ray Emery and Carter Hart, you know, handled it right, Briskalov wrong. When you physically point to your bench and your teammates and confront <laughs> right, and con- yeah. and confront your teammates and literally scream at them on the ice and the teammates on the bench are looking at each other like, oh, who the fuck is this guy? It's crazy. Yeah. I guess, you know, I'm looking at it from my perspective, given my opinion. If It's hard for me to say. If I'm caught, obviously he's frustrated. Like, that's where it comes from. It's pent up frustration he know he he knows he's not playing well he knows the defense is not picking up the slack and he's he's looking dumb right he gave up three straight goals i think in the game that he did he got beat back door i think twice and then the third one he was i think we were actually talking about it with Martinez, yeah we talked about it on Martinez, yeah right yeah and he went to cover the backside and he got beat short side so he flipped out afterwards look i get it he's frustrated he's a winner great coverage great, great coverage on all those goals by the way yeah totally his I, fault I, and that's the most frustrating thing, I guess. So, but look, I'm not holding it against the kid, right? Everyone loses it once in a while. Like I said, you you love to see it because you don't see guys do it that often. You don't really see that kind of emotion uh, from from hockey players. They're very reserved, especially and, you know, especially Carter Hart. Like, right. you know, if you if you see how reserved, it, you knew he didn't do it out of selfishness. Right. Yeah. Of course. No, yeah. Like, he's not showing. It's not. Like, it's not like look at me. It's like sending a message. Like, hey, help me out a little bit here. I want to win. Clearly, you guys don't. Of course. Yeah, and I agree. Look, That's how I interpret. I mean, I guess you can interpret. It's subjective. You can interpret it differently. Yeah, we can have fun with it. Um. So we're coming up on ten minutes left in the episode. We're going to try to keep it to exactly sixty minutes, because uh, I think I forgot to mention the beginning of the episode. We're on a twenty-four-seven radio station, unhinged radio. Um. Just absorbed or partnered with belly up sports so yeah we're going to keep this to an hour for you guys uh last topic that i had unless you guys have something else you want to come up with was something i learned just recently did you guys know that in possession metrics analytics how 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 you got possession of the puck is not taken into account did you know that analytic the analytics crowd does not factor in face off they think face offs are a stupid stat did you guys know this how is faceoffs are one of the most important things that, in, that dictates in the possession game of hockey? That in dictates possession, not just dictates possession, but yes, it's exactly a faceoff. It it's what it does. It's the most important, one of the most important parts of hockey. If your team sucks at faceoffs, you are going to get scored on a hell of a lot more. I agree. And so, what is that? Wait, what is that in reference? Like, which just in in general. You're asking me? Yeah, yeah. So Just like, I was, like the possession thing. Well, I was curious because – and your article that you wrote about Rasmus versus the line and kind of you know sprung this up a little bit, obviously. If you didn't read the article, go read it. Of course, I read it. And it just got me thinking a little bit like, okay, you know, guys are really picking on Ristolainen, but he plays defense. So like what possession of the puck does he really have, number one? So I'm like, okay, it, how a team – gets possession of the puck matters. And if Ristolainen is taking, you know, defensive zone draws or, or he's in the defensive zone more often than he is in the offensive zone on face-offs, who's taking the face-offs in the defensive zone? Do they have guys that are good at face-offs? If not, they're, they're probably not having a possession of the puck 
that often in their own zone. And they're probably getting worked a lot in their zone because the Sabres sucked, right? So they were just getting the shit cycled out of them. And that's why his possession metrics are so low, right? He can't physically take the face off when possession of the puck. Like a guy could literally skate in circles for an entire shift with the puck and the other four players' possession metrics will go up because of it. Makes no sense to me. All the, while, you, all the while, the defenseman's keeping him to the outside, not giving him any lanes or anything. Right, right. But, just, he does, but, he doesn't, but he doesn't have the puck. It doesn't make any sense. He doesn't. I, I don't know. So, question for you, John. Maybe you don't. So, possession metric, is, does, it only track, does it only track when you have possession of the puck or when you, the players on the ice with you have possession of the puck? Just I'm assuming it's whenever your team has the possession of the puck. That's... Okay, I just I just wanted to make I don't know, sure. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I, I didn't look at that metric too in depth. So I'm just assuming that when people talk about possession, how his how when Ristolin's on the ice, like he's getting out possessed the puck. It's not like there's other four four other guys out there to help him, right? right? No, of course not. Yeah. Well, let's isolate. Let's isolate him. It's the same thing when looking at those meteorology graphs, the weather maps, like the spray charts, all these shots happen, Bristol Island's on the ice. You realize there's four other guys out there that have jobs to man mark guys in the defensive zone. Yeah. And granted, Buffalo's lack of stellar talent, uh, both offensively and defensively. And, you know, I, I have no clear, like, numbers on who we played with and, you know, X amount. I'm sure the numbers are out there. But, like, how can you pin all those shots on your spray chart to one player? <laughs> it makes yes, no sense, dude. It's like, yeah, all those shots happen when he's on the ice. But, like, does it t- – it's like – like, my biggest point was, like, did, it didn't take into account the forward who misses his, you know, assignment on the point. That defenseman collapses in. Therefore, Ristolainen has to pressure out and, and potentially leave someone else exposed because someone else didn't do their job. If one person breaks down in their defensive coverage, the whole thing collapses. Yeah. And that's what, and that's what it doesn't account for. And those things, it's not like those things happen like every so those things happen like every other play potentially. Unless you're an incredibly sound team with an incredibly sound structure defensively and you have so many and you have 12 responsible forwards defensively. I mean, that's going to happen. It's like, you know, it, they're not infrequent. And that's the thing that you know, they they mention and then they bring up sample size and how it, I mean, and then I bring up the point where okay, if you take a larger sample size of um, what's it called, like a very of a not a failed of a inaccurate metric, and you increase the sample size of it, doesn't that increase the variance over time essentially? And then I get nothing, and then hmm. they throw yeah, but the, it accounts for X percentage risk of error, so it's okay. And I'm like, okay, that's fantastic for you. So yeah, in short, in short, yes, it, it counts for all the the team's possession <laughs> on the ice. I was looking at Kyle right now. He's just, yeah, I'm done. I'm out. You guys start talking about numbers and shit and metrics. I'm done. Wow. <laughs> so here's the other argument that I have about the same thing. So a player like Shane Gossespair, right? Another polarizing player. His uh, analytics are pretty good. And where does he line up for most of his draws? He lines up in the offensive zone, offensive defenseman. He's got a good shot, supposedly a good possession defenseman. In the offensive zones, who's typically taking the faceoffs? Sean Couturier. Two, yeah, two centers that are uh, two top five centers. over over fifty over fifty eight percent in their draws. So over the last three winning. years, over the, over the last three years, two of the top five centers uh, yeah. faceoff wise. 
And dude, so if you get possession in the offensive zone, it's easier, you know, you're more likely going to have the puck longer in the in the offensive zone because like like Kyle mentioned, Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier, uh, two of the best faceoff guys in the league, your possession metrics are going to go up like just naturally. It's so like the the numbers are just so flawed to me. And and I was trying to get into them. I think that's why I was spending more time, you know, trying to figure out analytics and making sense of them oh. just, just so I could oh. have conversations. I mean, that's, I mean, that's important. Like the, the way you, de- like the way you just looked at like where he starts and then you continue to dive deeper into like, okay, like how face-offs matter in, in, in terms of that and stuff like that, you know, it's important. It, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that the whole picture and the statistics measure won't tell you. Right. But it's something, it's something that they account for in their standard deviation. Don't worry. Accounted for. Uh, as long as they tell me, as long you know, I'll just take their word for it, I guess, because that's what you got to do with a lot of this stuff. You know, it's accounted yeah, for. No, just somewhere. swing it. It's like it's like throwing shit at a wall and, and hoping it sticks. It's yeah, great. here's why this guy stinks. I can't really prove any of it, and a lot of it's subjective. But you know, just just believe me, I'm right. Or and, or like the or the two highlights that they have prepared of those breakdowns, of <laughs> just two yeah. very two very specific, just right there, right. Yeah. There. Yeah, it sucks. It's like, cool. On a, on, happen. on an analytic based on sample size. They have yeah. this too. <laughs> Gotta love it. Oh, I so. hate it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just want I just want real hockey to start so we so I don't have to hear the word analytics anymore. Oh I just want to just just reset everything. Doesn't just time kind of feel frozen a little bit like in in the month of August? Like there's literally oh, nothing going on hockey wise and it's 100%. taking when so Sanheim's long. That's why the 26th. Sandheim's 26th, yeah. He is the he, him and son. There's two more left, and he's one of the two. So that means that you could tell that they aren't close. Yeah. Or else I think it, you'd think it'd be immediate, but there's still like six days is a lot. Or, you guys no, think not six, Neil Pionk's deal affects that at all? What do you get? Like five point eight or something like that? Five point two? That was that was. Mm, you that, think that, that helps well, Sandheim's case? Five, is that per year? That's not per year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I can double check for you real quick. On yeah. Winnipeg? Crazy, right? Five point eight. I'll just double check. It's either 5.2 or 5.8. Now I'm going to check and it's just not going to be either. I thought it was 5.85. I feel like that's Arbitrators correct. are being that generous. It kind of makes me scared a little bit. I mean, we uh, the thing is, like, if it's more than our allotted cap space, you yeah. got to make another move. Yep. <laughs> like, you don't have a choice at that point. Pionk's 5.875 for four seasons. Yeah. 26 yeah. years old. I think Sandheim's 26 as well. Yeah, but look uh, right handed D. Yeah. It's multiple 40-point seasons. Yeah. He does put up points, yeah, with New York and with uh, Winnipeg. And he's got a great last name. He does. A lot better than Sanheim, that's for sure. Honestly, that should be a, that should be a factor. <laughs> I agree. Uh, yeah, just how cool your last name is. That's why Ristolainen automatically gets plus 10 on any metric you give him. <laughs> his last name. Rasmus <laughs> is an A-plus name. Yeah. That's oh, great. We got about 15 seconds left in the episode, guys. Uh, Kyle, you got anything you want to put out there? Promote, share, if yeah. nothing. Got a lot of episodes in the archive. Uh, Johnny, working on anything? You got anything coming out you want to put out? No, but I can. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. If anything comes up, I'll be sure to put my take on it, give it a fun spin, try to make it funny and readable. And, oh uh, yeah, oh yeah, dude, yeah. you got you got a lot of stuff coming out with the uh, with the whatever the hell they're called, the gifs or the videos you're putting out. They're pretty good. Oh wait, yeah, I've been I'm doing sure those every day in the past time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I, 
if you want to look at my Twitter page, the handles <laughs> under me there, just look at uh, all the videos that I've been working on there. Uh, I think they're funny. If you don't think so, that's okay. <laughs> no, I could care less. Good. I, I enjoy them and I enjoy doing them, so crushed the month of july we had a great july johnny was a part of that kyle as well uh for john and kyle i'm jim we're going to wrap up the season finale of season three of high and wide radio thank you for everyone who's um joined us along the way thank you for everyone that's stuck stuck around from seasons one and two more good things coming in season four guys uh we're only growing and we're only getting better we're looking forward to bringing you more flyers content with that stay hydrated take your vitamins and we'll see you next week